Hey, good morning. My name is Bobby. Um, I love just the simplicity of that song and the, the truth that God comes to us and reveals himself to us in our moment of need exactly the way that we need. He provides for us by bringing himself to us, his presence to us, giving of himself to us in our hour of need exactly who we need him to be and who we need to him to who we need to understand that he is in that moment. You can have a seat. Before Pastor Andrew comes up and, and brings us um, a message from God's word this morning, uh, I just want to lead us in a time of prayer. If you received a worship guide on your way in, on the inside cover, uh, each month we do a different prayer focus as a congregation. Um, and the reason that we do this is that we believe as a church that prayer is not preparing for God's work, that prayer is God's work, that prayer joins us with the heart of God, that prayer gets us on the same page with what God is doing in our community here in our, in our church, but also what he's doing in the community out there, what he's doing in our world, how he's revealing himself, the work that he is about. And so we pray. We pray believing that God answers prayer. We pray believing that, that uh, prayer uh, uh, helps us and strengthens us to be about who and what God wants us to be. And so this month, we as a church are going to be praying for unity. Unity here in this body of believers. Unity that, uh, that only comes through the bond of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the peace that we passed each other uh, just a minute ago, that we uh, maintain that unity through the spirit, uh, through the bond of peace. And we also pray that as we, as God is, is maintaining and cultivating unity in here, that as we go out into our community, that we are people of peace, that we're people of peace in our neighborhoods, that we're people of peace in our workplaces, in our schools, you remember what Jesus said. We looked at this last week in John chapter 13. He told his disciples, the world will know that you follow me if you love one another, if you have love for each other. And so whatever we want to see happen out there, whatever work that we want to see God do out there in bringing people together, it has to start here. And we have to devote ourselves to that here. And so I want to encourage you this month to pray for that. You look around this room, we have a very diverse congregation. We have people that are coming from different walks of life, that live in different parts of the city, coming from different races, different cultures. And that's great, and those differences are awesome. And we're not about just laying down our differences and pretending that we're not different, that we're not unique, that God hasn't gifted us in different ways. But what we do is we see these differences. We see these unique things about us as ways in which when we come together, we represent God in a full and a beautiful way. We show each other who God is, and we minister in that peace and in that love to each other's hearts. And so I want to encourage you over the, the course of these next few weeks, be about this. Stick this in your, in your Bible. Put this you know, by your bed or, or wherever you would see it. And commit to pray. Pray that God would bring us together. Pray that God will protect us from any petty divisions that, that would arise amongst us. That God would protect us from uh, the schemes and the deceit of our enemy that wants to divide us. Because when we are divided, 
it speaks lies about who God is. It tears down what God is building up. Pray that as we go out into our community, that the love that we have here, the peace that we share with each other, in very real and very tangible ways, that we would take that into our community and that people would see that and that people would ask us about the hope that is within us and that we would be able to point people to the beauty and the wonder of following Jesus Christ. So I want to lead us just here in the next minute uh, in a prayer together. And so I just want to ask if you would do so, if you would hold your hands out in a posture of receiving. And we want to ask the Lord uh, in this time that he would give us strength, that he would help us to maintain the unity that he has given to us through his son, Jesus Christ, and pray that we would be people of peace in this city and point people back to Jesus. So please pray with me. Father of mercies, we come to you this morning and we recognize that we live in a world that is fractured, that is divided. We often hear the loudest voices are the voices that are leading us to think about us versus them, thinking about only what is good for us at the expense of others. And when we think about unity, when we think about being reconciled to each other, when we think about being one with each other, loving each other as Christ has loved us, it just runs against the grain of the society that we live in. But God, how much hope is there in that? How much hope and truth have we received by being a part of this community? and experiencing love for one another. People who love us, people who serve us, people who lay down their lives for us. And so God, we pray that Soma Church would be a place that continues to seek to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We pray that Soma, that this body will increasingly reflect the diversity of our neighborhoods, so that we can better serve the needs of our neighborhoods. We pray that our unity here, that our courage in pursuing reconciliation, in pursuing justice, that Jesus Christ would be made known through that in this city. We pray that you would protect us against a spirit of fear, fear of opposition, we pray that you would protect us against a spirit of discouragement, thinking that there's no way that we can come together. There's no way that we can be unified. Lord, I pray that you would give us hope, that you would help us to see the truth, that you would encourage our hearts to know that even though this work is hard, that it's good, and it's a work that you have blessed we pray for racial and ethnic barriers to be broken in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our government institutions. Again, Lord, we pray that you would use us in our sphere of influence to be people of peace, to bring others together, to point people to the truth of Jesus Christ, to help other people see that life with God under the rule of God is really life. So, Lord, we commit this to your hands. 
we know that in our own strength, we can't do this. We will grow tired. We will grow weary. We will be tempted to give up. But Lord, we trust that you are with us, that your presence is moving in us and through us. And we pray, Lord God, that your name would be glorified, that this city would see that you are the one true God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks, Bobby. Good morning. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at SOMA. Uh, did you guys see the forecast for today? High of 58. Okay. Black History Month kicked off yesterday. We've got Valentine's Day right around the corner. Apparently there's a big football game going on today. Uh, Jay is going to watch it, I guess. Um, all those things mean that winter is coming to a close, right? And spring is right around the corner. And I just wanted to encourage you all this morning, if you're here this morning coming off of a spiritual winter and are longing for the warmth and the light of Christ, that God has a word for you this morning. All right, so we are tying off in our series uh, looking at Jesus' I Am statements, which is a series of statements that Jesus made in the book of John about himself, associating himself with the great I Am. But this series, we've been intentional to point out that it's not just Jesus uh, claiming to be God in these I am statements, but rather inviting his people in to be transformed by the I am. So we're going to be looking at Jesus saying, I am the vine this morning from John 15. So if you'd turn with me to, to John 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. That's 526 if you're reading the Blue Bible. If you don't have a Bible, please take that one with you as our gift to you. This is John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. I have an uncle, Uncle Richard, who's a farmer by trade, and growing up, my memories of Uncle Richard's farms are uh, memories of dairy cows and tobacco, which he grew when he had good help at home. But once the kids left the house, he pivoted to what, by my standards, is still uh, pretty challenging work and decided to plant a vineyard. Now, I don't know a whole lot about farming, but I do know that grapes don't plant themselves. They don't tend themselves. They don't prune themselves. Whether or not there's a harvest depends a lot on the vine dresser. And in our passage this morning, Jesus says, God the Father is like this. God the Father is like Uncle Richard, out in his field, knowing his vine, pruning and tending. 
because he wants a harvest. In Genesis chapter two, we see that this God, this vine dresser, spoke the first garden into existence. This is from verses eight and nine. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. God, who at the blast of his nostrils buried Pharaoh's armies in the sea. God, who in human flesh walked out over the ocean and spoke to the wind and commanded it to stop, and it obeyed. This God wants a harvest, and so he's planted a vineyard, and he keeps it. We're going to spend a little bit of time now in Isaiah 5, which is page 329 in the Blue Bible. So if you want to go ahead and turn there. Okay, so God is the vine dresser, and he wants a harvest, and so he's planted a vine. Listen to these words from Psalm 80, and then we'll jump into Isaiah 5. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea, and its shoots to the river. And then from Isaiah 5, let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved has a vineyard in a very, on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes. God planted a vineyard because he wanted a harvest. He built a wine vat expecting grapes. He looked for his vineyard to yield fruit. God blessed Israel and caused them to thrive. Look back at uh, the passage from the Psalms. The mountains were covered with its shade. It took deep root and filled the land, the mighty cedars with its branches. So God caused Israel to thrive. I mean, we spent most of last year in the book of Exodus watching as God with intentionality and with power and with authority and with judgment tended his precious vine, Israel. He did that, if you were with us during our Advent series, we talked a lot about how God is revealing himself or making himself known, right? So God tended this vine so that he would get a harvest, a harvest of righteousness that others would be able to look to and see that is what God is like. God wants a harvest of righteousness. Okay, back in Isaiah 5. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And then verse 7. He looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. We're going to skip down to verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, 
who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink, who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of his right. God the Father is the vine dresser, and he wants a harvest of righteousness, and so he planted a vine, Israel, and it yielded sour grapes. And we see in a few chapters later in Isaiah chapter 11, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. God will have his harvest, and so he sent his son Jesus to be the true vine. And so Jesus in our passage this morning from John 15, tells his disciples, I am the true vine. If you remember in this series of I am statements, Jesus is connecting himself back to Old Testament imagery. And his disciples would have understood this connection, that Jesus is connecting himself to this vine of Israel and saying, I am the true vine. So the, the disciples would have understood that connection and would have understood that imagery. But what they're having trouble understanding is the context in which Jesus is teaching them this. So chapter 14 uh, closed with Jesus saying, rise, let us go from here. So they're now leaving the upper room. Jesus has washed their feet. He's instituted communion with them. And they're now walking to the garden where they would have spent lots of time together praying. Except tonight's going to be a little bit different. Tonight in the garden, Jesus is going to pray in anguish, Father, take this cup from me. He's going to ask his disciples to stay awake with him and keep watch, and they're all going to fall asleep. Judas, one of the branches, is going to betray Jesus into the hands of whom? The Jewish, the Jewish leaders, right? The original vine. And Peter, zealous Peter, even if I have to die, I won't deny you, Peter, is going to deny Jesus three times. Now, the disciples... Don't see this coming, but Jesus does. And so he's tender towards them. He says, I'm going away, and everything that you thought that I was bringing, everything you thought that I was doing is going to fall apart around you. The Jews are going to come after you just like they came after me, and it's going to be very disorienting. Yes, one of my branches will betray me. My father will remove the fruitless branches. You abide in me. God is attentive to his vineyard. He wants a harvest, and so he tends his vine. He's not surprised when there are fruitless branches. And when you're pruned, it's so that you bear more fruit. God is working his vineyard. but He's not working his vineyard for our best life now. He's not working to restore the image of America as a great Christian nation. God is not working for the Democrats. He's not working for the Republicans. He's not working to spare you pain and discomfort. God is working to make himself known to a dying world by cultivating a people of righteousness. When people look at us, they should see God's righteousness. They should see God's justice. They should see what thriving looks like under the rule and reign of God. And so we abide. We abide in the true vine. And when you have nothing else to cling to, what does God give us? Fruit. When we have nothing else to cling to, God gives us fruit. The fruit that we bear in Christ is our assurance. It's not our acceptance. Okay? 
The fruit that we bear in Christ is our assurance. It's our assurance that Jesus has chosen us, and if he's chosen us, already you are clean. Look at verse 3, John 15. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. The word clean and the word prune come from the same uh, word in the Greek. It's katharos for clean and kathairo for prune. It means to clean or to purify, To purify, but it's also used in, uh, in farming when they're talking about pruning. They use the same word to clean. So Jesus says, already you are clean, right? This is before he goes to the cross because of the word that I have spoken to you. I wanted to share an excerpt from a sermon by John Piper. He says, one of the clearest statements in all the gospel of what has happened to you if you are a true disciple, not like Judas, who was not clean, comes from John chapter 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life, already passed from death to life. If you think it's Astonishing for Jesus to say to Peter, this is back when he was washing their feet, you are already completely clean, clean, the same word as you already pruned. If you think it's astonishing for Jesus to say that to Peter, or to say to the branches, you have already been completely pruned, consider how astonishing it is to hear him say in John chapter 5 of all true believers, you have already passed from death to life, you cannot come into judgment because you've already passed through judgment. You are already on the other side of judgment. You will never be cut off from the vine and burned. The command in this passage is an assurance. Jesus is not with furrowed brow telling his disciples, bear fruit or else, right? The command is to abide. Abide in his love. Abide in his word. Abide in his righteousness. Live Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that bears fruit in its season. Live Psalm 1. Get our roots deep down into the word, into the law of God. Abide. So Every fruit that we bear in obedience to God's word is a testimony to God's love for his son, which he pours into you through his son. And it's a testimony to God's righteousness. It's an assurance that he is working his vineyard. And he will have a harvest of righteousness. So every sin that we bring into the light of Jesus, every injustice that we oppose in Jesus' name, every forgiveness you extend in Jesus' name, every grief you walk through with Jesus, every persecution you would endure for his name, every self-denying expression of love for your brother, every time you lay down your life and say that it's better It's better to abide in Christ than to live in this world. You testify to yourself and to a watching world that God loves you, that he sent his son for you so that his righteousness will be clearly seen. The father is the vine dresser, and he will have a harvest of righteousness. So Jesus knows their weakness, and so he's tender with them. But he also knows the joy that lies ahead. Look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And then not long after, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. His parting words to his disciples, his friends, as he calls them in this passage, are tender. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And then he went and laid his body in the ground, broken like a seed, 
so that through his disciples he could bear much fruit for the glory of God the Father. This is why he came, right? He came to lay down his life like a seed so that we could bear fruit to the, floor, the glory of God the Father. And this is, uh, we have an opportunity to remember this or to proclaim this every Sunday as we come together in, uh, in communion. We take a piece of the bread and we break it off. Jesus' body broken for us like a seed. And we dip it in the cup. Jesus' blood shed for us so that we could be people of righteousness. At, at Soma Northwest, we want to be people of the vine. We're going to put our roots deep down into the sweet water of the word of God. And we're going to give ourselves to the pruning work of repentance so that God can be clearly seen in our lives of justice and righteousness and self-sacrificing love for one another. If you need a reminder this morning or an assurance that God is working his vineyard, just spend any amount of time with just about anybody in this room. There is a harvest of righteousness growing here at Soma. So if you are a Christian, if you have responded to this message of mercy of Jesus, I would invite you to partake uh, this meal with us. But before you do that, um, I just want to ask that you open yourself up to God's pruning work. Let him wash you with his word. So if there's someone in this room that you need to be reconciled to, take care of that before you come and take communion. If there's someone not in this room that you need to be reconciled to, text them now. Let them know you're at Soma and that righteousness grows here and that you need to talk to them after this service because we're going to be people of righteousness, right? Um, we're going to have two stations up front. You just break off a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup, and we'll have a gluten-free station in the back. Let me pray for us, and then we will share this meal together. Father God, you are the vine dresser, and you want a harvest of righteousness, and so you planted a vine. And God, we confess with Israel that you wanted a harvest of righteousness, but from us you got sour grapes. But in your mercy, God, you sent a shoot from the root of Jesse to spring up and to be our righteousness. And God, I pray for Soma this morning that you would help us to abide in you to connect to the source of life that is our righteousness. God, for folks this morning who came here this morning, uh, maybe even comparing their fruit to someone else's fruit, I pray, God, that you would help us to just rest and abide in you and to know that our righteousness is not our own, that apart from you we can do nothing, that grapes don't plant and tend themselves, but that we have a vine dresser who wants a harvest of righteousness and is tending his vine. He's caring for us. He's promoting our growth. God, help us to believe that this morning. We love you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.